0: Actually, rejections can be a good thing as well. So, not to be sort of scared of rejections. For example, my first interview I'm there and I was, you know, super gutted to, to, to not be successful. Now I'm actually really glad that I wasn't successful because I have gone on to do such amazing things since that. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law, or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the student lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This podcast is brought to you by Feed Ignite. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Student Lawyers Podcast. My name is Stephanie, I'm a second year law student and today on the show I'm joined by Camilla, TSL's very own co-host of the podcast and general manager. As well as Camilla's roles at TSL, she's also just secured a training contract as Shakespeare and Martineau and we're really glad to have her on the show today as a guest so she can tell us all about how she did secure the training contract. So, Camilla, welcome to the show as a guest. Oh, it's great to be here. here. Thank you, Stephanie. And it is a very humbling experience to be on the other side of the microphone. So here we go. So first question, what was your journey like to obtaining a training contract? Well, yeah, it was definitely probably not a very conventional journey. So um, I studied law between 2009 and 2012. Um, and when I graduated, I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. I knew that I was interested in law, but um, I think the only experience I'd really done was uh, many pupillages in family law and criminal law. And whilst I did enjoy the whole court process and I really enjoyed like learning about the law and seeing it in practice i just couldn't really see myself in those roles um and i had a bit of a look at training contracts at the time but because i didn't have any work experience in law firms i i just i felt a bit lost really i don't think i knew anyone else going through the training contract process at the same time um and yeah, I, I don't know. It just didn't really seem commercial law didn't really seem like a viable option for for me um, at that at that time. So I started working in insurance dispute resolution, where I resolved disputes between banks and consumers, and that really kind of gave me a a bit of a taste of what being a commercial lawyer might be like, really, because um, many of the skills that are needed are quite similar. So. So I started to see commercial law as something that I might want to do in the future, um, but I wasn't 100% sure. So I made one application to a law firm and I was unsuccessful. I, again, wasn't 100% sure about whether law was really for me. And I think getting that one rejection just kind of uh, knocked my confidence back. But at the beginning of 2019, I decided to really go for it. Um and kind of not stop until I got a training contract. And I was prepared to, you know, make as many applications as necessary to get one. And, um, luckily it hasn't really, well, I suppose it took me about, um, 15 months. Um, uh, you know, during that time I really built my CV up, did lots of work experience in commercial law, f- f- well, a commercial law firm to make sure that I knew it was the right career for me. Um, I did you know went to lots of open days and volunteered with the student lawyer which was a great experience and all those experiences shaped the candidate that I am now and ultimately enabled me to succeed um, in securing a training contract I believe so yeah whilst I would say that I've had an unconventional path to getting here I I wouldn't change it for the world as I've had great experiences that's so interesting so it just goes to show that it's not just about getting the grades at university it's like everything that comes along with it um so what do you think is the key to successful application so i think there are a number of things like in terms of tech technical the you know technical application writing skills which i will come on to in a in a later part of the interview but i think there's really one key thing that will really transform your applications and that's having the right mindset. Um, I think I think mindset is potentially one of the most important ingredients to a successful application. Um, I think that when when I first had my my very first training contract interview, I, again, I don't think I was very confident. I wasn't really selling myself. I didn't truly believe in the value that I could bring to the table as a candidate. And because of that... I, d- I just don't think I performed that well in, in the interview. Um, and so I believe that the work that I've done on myself over the past, um, year and a bit to, to develop my mindset and to become a much more confident and, uh, yeah, confident candidate really, really paid off. Um, so a few things that I've done to really help with that is, for example, I kept a journal for um, a little while, which uh, where I'd write write affirmations, things like I'm a trainee solicitor. um, And that really helped me because it helped to reprogram my inner inner voice, I suppose. Um, And then I started to believe that I was almost in the role that I wanted before I even got it. And a few weeks later, I was, I was successful in, in an application. So I really do think that journaling and work, working on your confidence is, is really important. I So before you go on, I do actually think that journaling, journaling is really important, if not for the reasons that you were doing it, but just to write down your thoughts as you go throughout the day. Because often when you're thinking about things and you keep on thinking about them, it doesn't make room for you to think about other things and move on. So I find that if you do write things down, it just makes it leave your head so you can go on and think about other things. Definitely. I find the same thing with to-do lists as well. Once you've got them all written down, like it just seems like um, your brain feels a lot more organised yeah. and less cluttered, doesn't it? So, Yeah, so I think that um, what also really helps is not to – like just don't be attached to the outcome of your applications – You know, of course, that's easy for me to say. And I know that everyone wants to secure the training contract and everyone wants to be successful in the application that they're working on at the moment. And everyone wants to be successful in the interview that they've got coming up. And, you know, it's it's of course, that's a natural feeling. But at the same time, getting overly invested in the outcome, in my opinion, is is um, it will just kind of lead to more disappointment if you don't actually get that job straight away, so for example, um, the way you could think about it is actually rejections can be a good thing as well. So not to be sort of scared of rejections, but actually to embrace them and just to view them in a different way. For example, my first interview, I'm um, although I at the time I really wanted it and I was you know super gutted to to, to not be successful. Now I'm actually really glad that I wasn't successful because. I have gone on to do such amazing things since that, that I wouldn't necessarily have done if I'd got the training contract on my first application. You know, for example, this podcast was born and, you know, I've met loads loads of amazing people, um, you know, had loads of great opportunities and it's really, really uh, developed me into, uh, you know, really developed my experiences and I'm actually so grateful for every single projection that I've got. I know that sounds crazy, but but I really think it's true. Yeah, so wanting something really isn't a good enough reason to get it. Like You can be the person that wants it the most, but that doesn't mean, A, you are going to get it, or B, you even kind of deserve to get it. I think that, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think that wanting it isn't enough. You have to just forget about that and just give it your all if it's the right firm for you I think that you're more likely to do it definitely I mean if you think you've got to put the work in like application writing wasn't something that I really necessarily struggled with I think my second application I got to assessment center so well third sorry third there was one in 2016 but in my third I I was able to get to the assessment center so I think my writing skills have always been okay, but. for example, I just really think that working on things like um interviewing really you know was something that I needed to do and I'm really glad that I I I went out of my way to do that because for example, I joined like a debating club, I did some Toastmasters sessions. And that really helped with public speaking, the ability to um, come across confidently in an interview. And then, again, those are things that I wouldn't have done had I been successful on that, on that first try. So um, yeah, I think it's always worth not necessarily just getting so invested in the outcome, because if you've got to one interview, then you will get to another. Yeah. And I mean, the outcome, I don't think, is getting the training contract. The outcome is being to a standard which is so good that you can go and meet clients when you're part of that firm i think it's just training you to kind of like be in that um, position as well that's true so how many applications do you think is the right number to do every year or how many did you do that's that's such a good question and it's something that i really struggled with because um you know i used to listen to lots of different podcasts and, and speak to different trainees um grab recruitment and just kind of find out, you know, what is the magic number. But um I would just get, you know, got told lots of different numbers. Um some people would say, you know, write three really good applications, some people would say do 20, some people would say do eight. And I was just like, oh, which one which one is it? <laughs> so um yeah, in the end I just decided to do as many as I could to a high standard. Um, so I think it's gonna the number will depend will vary person to person there'll be some people who are working full-time doing the LPC um and have various other commitments and and it's not going to be realistic to tell them to write you know make 25 plus applications however someone might be on like a gap year at the moment they might have um they might just be working sort of a part-time job that could mean not necessarily does mean, but it could mean that they've got more time on their hands, so they will be able to write more applications to a high standard. So I really do think that the number depends completely on your own personal circumstances. But I think the most important thing is to write each application to the best standard. So maybe maybe a good a good way to approach it would be to write down a list of say twenty firms that you're interested in, but prioritise them in the order of when they are due and then prior to, uh, prioritize them again whether they're rolling applications and then maybe highlighting green the firms that you definitely have to apply to and then you could highlight in orange the firms that would be uh, nice to apply to but but not maybe as important to apply to as the green ones and then you could perhaps you know, if you really if you get time at the end, sort of. <laughs> if you get any more time to do any <laughs> color coding, if you've got any more highlighters left out exactly. of the pack, yeah, exactly. Just whatever colors you got left, just, <laughs> just make Not a green because I hate green. So <laughs> and how, green is good? No, so good. no, it makes it too dark. So how many? So how do you know which firms to apply for? Um, like, give, if you've decided to do ten or whatever. Yeah. So. That's, a, that's another good question and another thing that you know was was uh, i kind of struggled with because when i first started applying i just would look down the list of um lawcareers.net and and sort of pick names out and just do a bit of research on them because i didn't know i didn't know my my um baker mckenzie to my brutal hatfield i just didn't know what any of these firms sort of did so um that was something that came time and i think that attending open days is really important i know that it's not that possible now because of covid but i know that firms are still doing events so for example i would always look for a firm that does this kind of work that i'm interested in then look for their training because training is really important to me and then also look at things like um the the culture that the firm has uh the you know their diversity and just the general overall feel that i get from the firm from looking through their either going to an open day or or looking through, through their website or their social media speaking to current trainees i think you can get a feel for the firm um even by not necessarily visiting them if you do enough research. So yeah, that's another that kind of ties back into the how many applications. I think to research a firm isn't necessarily going to be just going on to chambers student or all about law dot com or student lawyer to do a bit of research on the firm and then kind of do application. You also need to make sure it's the right firm for you. So that could that could involve writing open day applications to actually get into the open day that can involve networking with trainees. There's a lot that actually goes into the application before you even start writing it. So I think that definitely feeds back into having a realistic goal about how many um, applications that you can make to a high standard. What does a good application look like then? What does it consist of? Yeah, so uh, like I said, I think that I found application writing kind of intuitive from the beginning but I definitely still improved my writing style over the year and I did this by getting feedback from um, professionals like solicitors barristers me. Stephanie I even got you to read my applications my very early applications and I, actually pretty much every application I've done you've read it for me and so I think that you don't even need to be and, and that was before you were even a law student you were reading my applications and helping me with that so I don't think it necessarily even needs to be um, a solicitor or a barrister that's reading the application I think I think that if you're giving an application to a family member that that doesn't do that doesn't have a background in law um they should be able to understand it so i think it's really important it's actually probably more important to give your application to someone that's not in the profession because if it makes sense to them then then you've probably pitched it at the right level in the sense that um your your writing is probably very clear yeah i mean i don't i think you're absolutely right i think it's also, maybe a good idea to send it to somebody that's not in the legal profession and you don't know incredibly well, because then you can you can um, you can ask them how you come across as a person. Um, I don't know any of this. I've just given it out to a stranger before. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just something I thought of just now. But I guess it would work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose you could do that on perhaps on LinkedIn or maybe 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 people in your class that you don't necessarily know that well. Or well, Karen from the office. <laughs> exactly. I, she's cool. Exactly. Um, but no, I think I think that's a good point. You should look at how you come across in the application. You should make sure that you sound excited because I really think that grad recruitment can smell excitement. They they can tell when someone's like really passionate and passionate. I think if you display passion in your applications then it's just more enjoyable to read you know enthusiasm is contagious as they say so I think that if you if you're reading your application or if someone else reads it then I think it you should sound enthusiastic in there without sort of you know without it going over the top um I think I think enthusiasm is really key um so yeah that's that's a couple of things but I think signposting is also very important and this is something that I adopted from um, Tilly Chow, who um, is is the co-founder of Strive and who's also been on the Student Lawyer podcast. Shout out to Tilly. Shout out to Tilly. (laughs) And check out her episode if you haven't already, because it's honestly full of great tips um, that I adopted in my application writing. One specific tip, like I said, is signposting. And that's where you say, I'm going to talk about three things. Firstly, secondly, thirdly. And I think that makes your applications just seem very well organised, very well structured, Um, they become a lot easier to read and that's, yeah, one of the tips that I found very helpful. Um, Things like uh, short sentences, making sure that you don't confuse like different concepts within, within the same paragraph. So in my opinion, each point should really have its kind of own paragraph, otherwise things can get quite confusing. Um, so yeah, that's really key for clarity. So another thing that I would do is what I call the replace the name test, which means that when you're writing an application, if you if you can swap out the name of that firm for another firm, and it still makes sense, then the application is not going to be um, tailored enough to the law firm you're applying to so that's really important to do um also a very similar test would be the replace the job title test um, i'm getting very <laughs> creative with these names <laughs> for these tests but that would be where when you're talking about why commercial law you should you should be able to you shouldn't be able to replace the word commercial law with Investment banking, consulting, accountancy, and it still makes sense. And I think that sometimes um, people can fall into the trap of writing things like, you know, I want to be a commercial lawyer because it's a intellectual, intellectually stimulating career. Um, you know, I want to work on international deals, etc. But but that can relate to easily relate to um, uh, consulting. Honestly, that that really, I just don't think it's specific enough. So that's something that um in my opinion makes a good application wanted to say that you you found something challenging and you kind of found it intellectually stimulating that's fine but i think you need to be more specific about what part what part of commercial law that is and, and, and where that stems from like was it was it a piece of you know was it a contract that you read um whilst uh whilst on work experience for example um yeah, so although like that is a good reason for doing it, you could do something else that gives you a feeling that's similar to it. So what is it about commercial law that um that you want that you want to do it that nothing else gives you? Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Um so yeah, a few other tips that I've just sort of got listed here is yeah, getting someone else to read it like we discussed already. Um, it's really important that you catch all those typos because I think that you can probably get away with one or two but you really shouldn't be getting any in there at all um, and they're so easy to miss um, It's especially if you've been working on it and the deadline's coming up and, and you're perhaps you've been working in, on, on it late into the night you then become so accustomed to seeing your own work that you become almost blinded to the errors so it's really important to get someone else to read it I would always print off my applications and highlight them. So I would highlight every single word just so that my uh, my attention would be drawn to each word specifically. So I'd be able to hopefully catch all the typos. I'd also get the computer to read it to me. So highlighting um, the text. And I think you just right click and go to speech. So then when you're listening to your work and reading it at the same time, when the computer... Instead of the actual word, it says like gobbledygook. So then you know you've made a typo, right? Um, so that's another way to catch words that uh, some words. Obviously, if you misspell something like there and there, if you use the wrong there, then the computer's not going to necessarily tell you that's wrong. So that you know it's not a foolproof way, but it's just one thing that I that I found helped me. Um, and then getting um getting more into the actual substantive part of the application i think it's really important to kind of write something a little bit different that not everyone else is going to write in that application so um get really sort of creative with your research skills you know it's really important to start with the firm's website and um chamber student all about law student lawyer um you know all these websites that you might use to or legal 500 all these websites that you might use to research the firm but i think you should go one step further and actually look at the the firm's social media look at their linkedin page look at the key figures in their business to see to see whether they've got any prominent figures and to see what they're saying about the firm because um, because I think that just goes to show a deeper level of interest in actually what the firm's doing and it will make you stand out in my opinion. For example, when I, when I wrote one of my applications, I scrolled all the way back to 2017 on that Instagram and noticed that, um, one of the recruiting partners actually raised money for a charity that i volunteered at so i thought oh that's interesting it just kind of shows that we've got kind of got the same values interested in the same sort of um charities for example and i didn't make it a huge part of my application but i just kind of peppered that into my application just to um just to try and stand out a little bit really and and um you know i i think if you can put a few of those little um, sort of nuggets into your application, then that really can't hurt. And also when you're trying to describe your skills-based um, or trying to answer skills-based questions, I think it's really important to also struggle, talk about the struggles rather than just successes. So you might, for example, want to talk about how you play the trumpet and how you're grade eight, etc. And how you you know you you're really good at playing it and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. However, I think it's really important to, important to talk about the, the kind of the struggles that you face as well. So what I like to call that is like the zero to hero approach. So um, talk about the tough times that you had. Talk about how you overcame that because I think that's really important to talk about um, how you work through your struggles to then find success. Because I think that being a solicitor will you know inevitably there will be difficult times and the grad recruitment want to see that you aren't someone that kind of gives up when the going gets tough so if you are able to demonstrate that at all in your applications i really think that 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 does help um demonstrate that quality and then just finally on this point, there is one um, method of writing which I learnt from a seminar this summer and again this is something that's stuck in my mind. It's called the pink elephant and the idea behind it is if I say to you pink elephant, what image do you have in your mind? Like a pink <laughs> elephant in jumbo if there is one like floating across the sky. Exactly, so when you're very descriptive about something, you you can automatically imagine it. So you need to think about the same process with your applications. Create an image of yourself using words um, in your application. So I think that putting in that level of detail really helps. For example, if if you want to talk about how you organized your time, you could either say, I organized my time effectively and this enabled me to do X, Y, Z. Or you could go one step further and you could say, well, actually, I... I organised my time using a calendar and I blocked out um, three hours per day in green, for example. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily need to say what colour you blocked it out in, but I think you get the picture. If you actually create that level of detail in your application, then whoever's reading it starts to get a clearer picture of you and what you're writing becomes a little more 3D and not so flat, for example. Very interesting. So... Um I'm going to ask you a question now, which is unrelated to the pink elephant, but it is colour related. And it kind of takes us into the next section of the interview, which is um, improving interview skills. But could you describe the colour yellow to me without, um, without, I can't remember what the question is, without using like the color. word yellow. Yeah. You have to describe the word yellow without yeah. using the word yellow. Okay, so if you close your eyes and then imagine a field of buttercups. But no, you can't. No, to a blind person. Yeah, so I I think that you would... It, okay, it's like a warm feeling. Like imagine the sun beating down on you. You're feeling really warm. It's really bright. You're laying in a field of buttercups. Yeah, but only because I know, what, you know it's hard for me <laughs> 'Cause I i do have good eyesight. <laughs> anyway. How do you improve interview skills? Do you want to give the readers a bit of context as to why you asked me that question? Oh, because I was at a Strive uh workshop um the other day and we were talking about um uh what's like Watson Glazer tests and um difficult interview questions. Yeah, stuff like that. And I've never um I've never been to uh i've never had an an interview before with a law firm um for vacation schemes or training contracts so it was quite interesting to hear what other um people who have been going for these interviews had to say and one of the questions was how did how do you describe the color yellow to a visually impaired person uh, yeah. and and then after seeing that pink elephant i was just like well yeah so do you know what that's one thing that really used to terrify me and that was the thought of off the wall questions that i wouldn't know how to answer but i think and i think this really just sums it all up preparation is key as Failing to prepare is the preparing to fail, as one of my teachers once said to me at school. And I really didn't think that that's um, that's very true when it comes to interviews for training contracts and vacation schemes. It's really important to practice and um, practice with whoever you can. Um, like, Stephanie, you were very helpful listening to me, um, count, you know, countless times and giving me mock interviews so you know thank you for that and i urge all the listeners to just practice as much as you can with whoever you can because they don't need to be solicitors they don't need to be barristers they don't need to be grad recruitment the most important thing is just getting comfortable delivering your answers and to be honest you could you can just practice yourself. Record yourself on Zoom. That's what I used to do. I used to open a Zoom meeting, um, get myself a list of questions, record myself saying them, then watch them back over. Kind of make notes as to where I think I could improve, and then try again. Um, it's a bit cringy watching yourself back on Zoom, but um, you know, the more you do something like that, I think the better that you that you you become. And again, I think taking part in debating. Um, societies and um, taking every possible opportunity to speak in public it really helped me in interviews because I just got used to speaking to a camera. So I think what's important to mention is the fact that the the later half of my interviews ha- happened um, during COVID, uh, the coronavirus pandemic. And because of that, a lot of my interviews were over zoom so and this is going to be very relevant to this round now where i expect lots of law firms will be recruiting using um online platforms so i think getting comfortable speaking to your camera is something that people you know it's just part of the the new the new normal the new abnormal it's really important to and um, get comfortable with that there are lists of questions out there that you can prepare for for example, I know that the Corporate Law Academy has 175 interview questions, which I personally found quite helpful. Um, not all of them will be relevant. Like some will be kind of tailored towards, for example, private equity firms, and I knew that that wasn't necessarily something I would need to prepare. So you can you don't need to prepare for all 175, but I think it's good to know what kind of questions could come up, and for you to at least have a think about the type of questions and how you would go about answering them in a real interview. And when giving your questions, I think it's really important to kind of show how the skills that you have and that you've developed in either legal work experience or it doesn't even have to be legal work experience, non-legal work experience, society, work, anything like that, how... I think it's important to really clearly demonstrate the skills that you've picked up and how they will help you as a trainee solicitor. Um, so for example, if you were going to speak about um, a scenario using the star method, um, so that situation, task, action result, I think that actually it should be star, star L, so star. So with an L on the end to link back to the role of a solicitor or a trainee solicitor. Um, that's, that's something that I adopted and that, that quite helped me. Um it's also important to look at the f- know the firm inside out and also think about the strengths and the weaknesses of the firm and the legal industry in general. Another um resource that I found helpful is um Sherman and Sterling's Whiteboard Wednesdays on YouTube. They're really helpful. Um one there's one video about interviews and I think the video kind of breaks down what you need to know into three sections the first section being you need to know about you and your skills the second section being you need to know about the firm and then the third section being you need to know about the legal industry so um yeah check that video out video out because i think that is really helpful um and i think that that that's important to do what's the best way to stand out as an applicant in the um application process yeah, so I think that knowing your USP is really important. Why would a firm be lucky to have you? Um, what skills do you have that could really benefit um, the law firm and make you a really great solicitor? Um, what do you do really well? And and if you don't know, or you or you think that you do a few things well, but you're not sure hundred percent what your USP is, then I would kind of invite advise thinking about what you do enjoy doing and then just doing like more of it. So for example, we started this podcast. Um so I, for example, like one of my USPs would be the fact that I like to record podcasts and that has helped my communication skills, etc. So find something that you're interested in, um run with it and then sort of develop a USP and then that that's going to be individual to you and that then makes you stand out as an applicant. So I remember in the interview that I did with Axa Hussein, who's a pupil barrister. Um, that video, that that podcast, can also be listened to um, if you go back a couple of months. I really recommend you listen to that. It was a really great episode. Um, shameless do you, plug. Do you remember when we interviewed uh, Rollo and we were talking to him about being the president of the Clay pigeon shooting? Club yeah program. that's it so i think it's like memorable things yeah stand out exactly so it can be completely individual to you um and i think that that makes you stand out as an applicant yeah cool Like right. it doesn't always have to be um crazy i mean not the <laughs> not the clay shoot clay pigeon shooting or um martial arts is crazy but i think that sometimes it can just be a um Like being an active member of the Law Society at your university or, you know, other things. It's not just about what you do. It's how you demonstrate your uh, strengths. Definitely. It's 100% how you package it in that application. I agree. Cool. So do you have any other pieces of advice for the student lawyer listeners today? Yes, um, I do. Just think of the application process as a marathon, not a race. I feel like I've said so many cliches in this episode, but it's 100% true. I was prepared to make 100 plus applications because I remember listening to some, a trainee, uh, a trainee who now works at, at a firm who said that they made over 100 applications. And I thought, well, you know, I'm sure I'll get one if I make 100. So I kind of had it in my mind that I was I was prepared to make 100 applications plus if it would get me to where I wanted to be. And luckily it didn't take me that many, but um, I was prepared to do that. So I think, yeah, just, just view it as a marathon, not a race. And I think that will um, prevent you from taking rejections to heart as well if you just see it as part of the process. and um, Because the only way to sort of knock yourself out of the race is to kind of give up. Um, so just... Just don't see it as a hundred meter sprint, see it as a marathon. That's incredible advice, Camilla. Thank you so much. It was so much fun having you on um, the show today. And congratulations once again for securing the training contract with Shakespeare Martin No. Thank you so much. And I'd just like to say before we end this podcast that the Student Lawyer Mentorship Scheme will be opening again in December. So applications are coming open. Um, Well, you can make an application now and it will get considered in the next round, which will be in December. So if you want to apply now, then you can. Um, And that. If you don't know about the mentorship scheme, it is a great scheme that the Student Lawyer set up this year to team to team uh, students and graduates from underrepresented backgrounds in law and to pair them with mentors in the legal profession. It's a fantastic scheme, and yeah, definitely check it out if you're eligible. And yeah, that's that's it from me, really. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Student Lawyer, everybody. Catch you next time. Bye. to hear more of the student lawyers podcast hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review if you would like to join the student lawyer as a writer please email hello at the we'd like to thank Felix knight for producing this podcast today